All right, welcome to another episode of Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Timothy Plain, and with me is Ulrich Purcell. Howdy, howdy, folks. Hello. So what's going on with you this week? Uh, you know, not much. Uh, well, I'm working on a corporate video uh, after getting off of that feature, so it's sort of back to the the real world in a way. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It's a great project. I don't want to talk about it too much just because it's boring, but it's, well, that's not fair. It's not boring. It's just, it's not interesting to other people. Is what yeah. You're saying. It's not interesting yeah. to other filmmakers necessarily. I know but what yeah. you're saying. Well, let's talk about the feature. How did that go? Did you, what were like the takeaways that you learned from being a script supervisor? Oh man. Uh, that I can actually do it. I think, um, cause everyone seems really happy and, and nobody from the post-production has uh, yelled <laughs> no at me complained. or, or come to my house to take me away and beat me <laughs> or anything. Um, yeah. so it seems like it went well and, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And I think it's something that's sustainable for me. Like I didn't hate myself doing it. And I, I and I enjoyed going to work every day, standing with a notebook and, and uh, taking notes and looking for small continuity things. It's, it's not a bad thing for me to do on a set. So yeah, I, I, it went well. Can you remind me how many shoot days was it again? It was 15. So how what was that like shooting for fifteen days in a row? I assume you guys had weekends, right? So it was like Monday through Friday for three weeks. Uh, it was a little it was a little weird of a schedule because like I think they originally wanted to do six days, so like six days on, one day off, six days on, one day off. So it would have been like six day off, six day off, and then three, and then we would have been done. But um, due to scheduling, they had to do it a little differently. It was like three days on, three days off. Then it was like four days on, one day off, uh, or six days on, and then over, or something like that. So it, it was a little bit of a weird schedule, and it, and it made it feel longer than it was because we did it over three weeks rather than, you know, whatever, two weeks or just over two weeks. Yeah. Um, but it but it was fun. It was it was definitely challenging. You know, it's a it's a hard thing to do to make a movie, no matter what you're doing. Um, but it was a lot of fun, and the crew was awesome, and. You know, I think I made a lot of friends out of it, you know, and, uh, you know, I think uh, I'd, I'd love to do it again. And I, I even got a recommendation from the producers to another producer as a script supervisor. Uh Oh, now you're going to be the script supervisor. <laughs> well, <laughs> I haven't gotten a call from them yet, so I don't know if that's actually if they're actually going to call me or not. But it's just nice to know that, like, I did a no, good enough a, job. You to did get a good a job, right? Yeah, that's exactly. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But that would be funny if in 10 years, Ulrich Brussel is just like this world-renowned script supervisor. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> yeah, and you we're, on, we're still on this podcast, and you're just like, I just don't know how to break out from script supervising <laughs> into directing a feature film. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be a problem. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. So did you, at any point during those 15 days, just were so sick of that shoot, or did you really enjoy going to it every single day to be honest like there was we were at a, a motel for i think three or four days in a row and the last day of the motel i was like sick of being at that motel like not the motel again the scenes were cool there and it was fun but the most fun scenes that we shot at the hotel were done at the first two days and then the last two days or whatever were like 
Um, there were still good scenes, but they were definitely the least less exciting scenes. It was just kind of more of a grind. Well, I spent four days at Universal Studios last month, and I wanted to kill myself on like day four. Oh, really? Like, get were me you, out of this place. Were this you place. in a studio or were you like on a set? It was a stage, and it was just a big empty stage. I think there were like crew members. It was a pretty small shoot, maybe like twenty people, and we were just shooting products on pedestals. And it was, there's no actors. There's (laughs) the most boring thing in the world. I just, I wanted to kill myself. After six hours of doing that, I sometimes want to kill myself. Oh, and we, we shot for like 10 hours a day. Oh my goodness. It was the worst. Never again. Actually, I can't say never again because I'll, I'll be assigned to a job like that, but I don't want to ever do that again. We're all going to do product shoots again. I mean, if you work in corporate video, you have to, because that's just what happens. Let's get right into it, dude. Let's talk about the the topic. Did you get, what did you take away from film festivals or did you get anything out of film festivals? That was a question. I I worded it as, did you find film festivals helpful? Cool. And I know we covered a lot of this in episode two, so we should do our best to cover new territory. And then anyone who hasn't heard episode two, they should go back and listen to it. It was all about filmmaker myths and kind of what we believe would happen if we made it into film festivals and what actually happened to us. So I think we've covered a lot of ground about the idea of film festival, what the reality is behind it. But maybe what we can talk about is now that we've done it and we're in the shoes that we're in now, would we do it again or uh, how would we do it differently? Well, here, here's what I want to do. I just want to ask you a question, yeah. Timothy. Can you okay. break down to me what your first film festival experience was like? And, and not counting the film festival that you run at your company, but like <laughs> other that film, film festivals. Amazing. Yeah, I'm sure that's a blast. But um, <laughs> but no, like going to like your first outside film festival experience, like just break it down. Just tell me a little story about what that looked like. I'm trying to remember what it was. I've been I've only been to four film festivals. Wow. Ever. And as a filmmaker, like watching my film. And I think the first one was the Tiburon Film Festival with my first movie out of college. This is like 2006. Wow. And I was so excited. Um, my film, I think, because you're going to hate me for this too. No, really? <laughs> Every single time that I've submitted my film to film festivals, I've only submitted to like four or five. Oh my God. You're so, just begging yeah. not to get in. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much saying I don't want to make it into a film festival. I don't really want my film to play at a film <laughs> festival. I just kind of want the rejection. That's what I want. <laughs> right. I think that's the story of my life. I, mean, I only submitted to a few film festivals. I made it into Tiburon, so I was really excited. I didn't make it into any other film festivals with that film. And we were slotted into an afternoon time slot in the middle of the week. Mm, that's the best. Which I didn't really understand what that was going to be like <laughs> <laughs> until I showed up to the screening with my parents and the DP from the, the movie showed up. No one else showed up. And it was me and those people, plus I think like two other filmmakers. So was that like six or seven people in the audience Yep. Uh-huh. in a dark, big, dark movie theater watching probably six shorts. 
So it was a little disheartening. And that film festival didn't really have events around it. It was really just kind of like a local film festival, I think, to kind of support the community and just kind of like make something around it. I've been to other film festivals where there's like lectures that you can attend. There's parties for filmmakers. You know, there's bigger events that you can go to. So it feels like much more of a thing. But this one was literally just showing movies in a movie theater and you could go buy a ticket and go watch it. I went and saw it. I walked out of the movie theater kind of shook hands with everyone like cool we just saw a movie in a movie theater and then that was it yeah all right there you go so i've had a couple of times where i submitted films to film festivals the first uh two that i submitted i didn't get into any i submitted to i think five for each of my first early shorts i did in college and i got no response for any of those and then I did a documentary that was like 39 minutes long, which is like the worst length ever for a short doc. <laughs> it's like the that? stupidest thing to do. Um, too long? Yeah, way too long. I mean, the cutoff for short docs is 40 minutes. So I made it like basically as as long as it possibly could be and still be considered a short doc. <laughs> and uh, I didn't get into any. I submitted it to 17. I got into zero. But then I got like, two like um honorary awards so they're like awards but they they didn't but my movie wouldn't get screened so it was like an award without getting screened that's interesting but you have to like look at it from a a festival program point of view is if you have a 40 minute film that's going to take the place of up to like 10 four minute films so it has to be an exceptional film for them to want to program it and get rid of those 10 films they could have screened and it was funny because at the time when I was editing that movie I I talked to a lot of other documentary filmmakers and they all told me the same thing they were like it has to be 20 minutes or under in order for it to actually get programmed and even and like the shorter the better and I was like yeah 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 whatever whatever like I'm gonna do whatever I want because I'm I'm the smartest and I know more and my movie's so good that doesn't matter and isn't it be... terrible how stubborn we can be as oh filmmakers? my god yeah it was so stupid and then I didn't get to any and I wasted all that money submitting um, but then strange thing came around and then I submitted to even more film festivals and that length was on the money like the first round of submissions it was eleven minutes. And then I re-edited it and then I submitted it again. I think I submitted it to like 20 and then I submitted it to like whatever, the other 40 or whatever or 50. And at that, at the 40 or 50 amount, I, I submitted it at 10 minutes or under 10 minutes. And then that's when I got into like a bunch of film festivals. Um, I played at over about 20 total. Um, yeah. And I went to about 10 of them. Um, so I, I w- what I wanted to do was talk about uh the worst experience and then the best experience (laughs) so you can sort of like see like the two different um options um let's answer let's answer the first the question that we started out with first of all is like did you find film festivals helpful uh uh, like even just a yes or no i think yeah like yeah short answer yes but but not in the way (laughs) i thought they were gonna be that's i totally agree with you i think film festivals were a great experience but if you go in expecting something that probably most people that haven't been to a film festival expect, you're going to be disappointed. But now that I've been there, like I know what to expect. I think they're, they're great. They're great places for certain things, but not for everything. Yeah. I think they're great to, to, to be there to support your film. Um, 
to to answer any questions and and hopefully get the most people possible to see a movie. I think like that's a really good reason for you to go. So like going with with a bunch of flyers and posters and materials and just making sure that as many people as as possible will show up to your screening. I think that's a really good reason to go because um, just because you got in doesn't mean people are going to show up as you pro- proved with your first story. Right. I didn't, I didn't promote it at all. I just kind of showed up and been like, great, I'm in a film festival. This is awesome. Yeah. And, and film festivals will do some promotion, but if you want people to come to your specific screening, like you gotta, you gotta put butts in the seat yourself. Like you have to be your own marketing company. Basically. Right. I think it's the kind of the same idea as making your movie from the ground up by yourself is kind of the same reason you should go to film festivals because it's all the back end stuff that a lot of people don't think about. And then you're in charge of it. So you're in charge of marketing your movie and yeah. you can see how hard it is. And it, like it becomes a total separate job from the making of the movie where now you have to get people excited and interested in it. And how do you do that? Um, so I think that there's that whole backside component is, is part of the reason for me though. I think the main reason to go to a film festival is to see your movie on a big screen with an audience. Oh, yeah. That's the one thing the internet doesn't provide. The internet, I think you can do a lot of the same things a film festival does, like getting people to watch it. But I don't think like seeing your movie with other people is something you can do without kind of being a part of a film festival. Um, And that was, to go back to your earlier question, the best film festival experience I have was seeing my movie man's best friend twice with sold out audiences at Cinequest and getting the same reaction both times and just feeling like I nailed it. Like everything I wanted to get out of an audience with that movie, I got out of it and it was just so fulfilling to watch it in, in a movie theater on a big screen it, all the, everyone laughing and where I wanted them to laugh like that, that experience you can never replicate. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's really important to see it with an audience, you know, not just because you get to see the audience experience it, but you get also get to learn from the audience, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. you can learn where your joke that you thought was going to hit didn't hit or where like something that the audience just loves that you had no idea that they would react to in that way. I think those things are really, really important. And uh, that's what I, you know got out of it when I saw strange thing in the theater for the first time is like everyone seemed to laugh at the same moment and everyone seemed to like, you know, have the same kind of reaction at this other moment. And it was really interesting to see like audience to audience, like what people would react to each time they watched it. And, you know, it was often the same, but like there are also always differences too, which was always mm-hmm. fascinating. Yeah. You know? And it, it, it does change audience to audience. Like there's a different energy in the room and yeah, like, your film might be like super funny to one audience and then not funny to another one. Like, cause I saw it, like, it doesn't even just apply to my film, Like it applies to the other films that were in the festival, seeing it two nights in a row and seeing how the audience reacted to films that played around mine in different ways was also fascinating. And then also the Q and a session at the end where all the filmmakers came up to the front and seeing um, which film both nights kind of got the most attention was kind of like, aha, now I kind of see like which film audiences like the most just based off of who they're asking questions to the most. And it happened two nights in a row. So it's just like, you know, it's a little bit of eye-opening experience and you can see that you're competing for attention. And um, 
uh, a little bit of kind of the manipulation that goes into filmmaking and making sure that you get what you want out of an audience. I just think it's really fascinating to go and, and just to just to experience it. And I think if you do get the chance to do a Q&A, which doesn't always happen, but uh, if that does happen, I think it's a really great learning experience too because you get to figure out how you're representing your own movie and how you're going to answer questions and react to the audience's reaction to your movie. And I think that is something that is really valuable just to get experience doing and then also just to learn from from yourself. Because like the way that you react to something someone says will tell you a lot about how you feel about your own work, you know, <laughs> yeah, which is kind true. of funny. But what's your highlight? You're the best moment you've had at a film festival. I guess it was, geez, really hard to say. Best screening. I, it doesn't even um, have to be a screening. Like what? It could be just meeting somebody else. It could be a, a lecture that you attended. It could be anything. What was like your, what's the standout moment is like, oh man, I'm so glad that happened. Well, okay. I guess going to Toronto um, was really fun. So I, I went to this film festival called Toronto After Dark um, in Toronto last year for with my short film Strange Thing. It was a blast. Like I got there and it was at like a big, you know, multiplex theater. But, you know, as soon as you walk in, like you could see their advertising all around. Like the, the film festival had a, a unique presence in the lobby right away and then i look up and what's hanging up above me but a klingon destroyer um <laughs> facing off against a starship enterprise um like life like not life-size models obviously but like huge like you know 20 feet by 10 feet uh starships so i was like oh man i'm in the right place for sure this is amazing and then you then you go up the escalator and then there's like a huge like toronto after dark um you know, whatever uh, backdrop where they take all their pictures and stuff. And I can't remember exactly when we arrived. I think it was right before screening for another movie. But uh, I think we saw the line immediately and the line was massive. And uh, it was like just to see this huge line for this film festival, this like science fiction horror film festival. I was like, oh, man, this is amazing. And then when we got into the theater and it was like a packed crowd and just the presentation and how excited everybody was to be there to see those movies. I was just like, man, this is, this is shit. Like I can't, this is, this is the kind of film festival experience I want where there's like big crowds, uh, really enthusiastic programmers. Um, they came right up and introduced themselves. And, you know, my screening was the next day, but I met, um, the short, f uh, film, uh, programmer, I think that night and they were just so nice and so friendly and, it was just an amazing experience. And then the next day, um, the short film program was in a smaller theater than the, the main event at night, but it was still like a, you know, 250 seat auditorium and it was pretty much packed. And, uh, yeah, it was great. And I, I think I had the night before I'd already met some writers who were there covering the film festival. So I already knew there were some journalists uh, there to like cover things. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was just a really, it was a blast. And then every night after the film festival, everyone would go to a bar across the street and like, you know, you got free drink tokens and, you know, everyone would just hang out and talk. And I just talked all night to people. And I think I met a journalist that night and we just talked. And then I met, met like this person who worked at a, a production company in Canada and she was giving me her advice on like how to get a movie made and it was just so much fun. It was just That's a blast. So cool. It's kind of like all the best that you imagine out of being a part of the film industry, like distilled into like an event. 
and and at a level where you're like I'm not part of the film industry but I, at this moment I feel like I'm part of it like having an audience excited and like having people talk to you and meeting other filmmakers and meeting journalists like it's so exciting and so much fun um, and I don't think it's it's not something I don't think you can get from trying to do a release online so that's why I think that the film festival experience is different I think there's a lot of arguments for releasing a film online but I think the film festival experience is unique and will continue to live on just because of all the reasons we're talking about that were our favorite moments from it yeah and one of the things they did at that film festival is like um, they would show a short before a feature um, every night at the main oh, event yeah. or whatever uh -huh. And they would bring the short filmmaker out, have them introduce their short, and then um, they would go away and they would show the short. And then I can't remember if they would do the Q&A for the short right then or if they would do it at the end. I think they would do it at the end after the, the feature event. Um, but it was just really fun to have the filmmaker out there and, and be there to support their movie and then like talk about it a little bit before they showed it. And then when we did um, the screening with my short film playing, I did I opted not to introduce it. And I sort of regretted that immediately because <laughs> like I think introducing it, whether or not you have a lot to say about the movie, because like, you don't necessarily want to ruin anything. You just want to sort of, you know, whatever. But I think it's just good to talk to the audience as much as you can, just because that, you know, creates a connection between the filmmaker and the, and, and the, the audience. And I think it's just a, a special thing. Cause I feel that when I'm an audience member and I hear a filmmaker talk about their movie and I love that experience. So I feel like that's something I would do. I think you appreciate it more because you know that they're coming at it from a, a certain perspective and it's less about like your enjoyment of it and more about an appreciation of like what went into like, putting that film together yeah and i mean we still did a q a but i mean i was really nervous because i think that was at the point the most people who was in a, in a room to see the movie at, at <laughs> once and uh, yeah. i was just so excited to be there and then i was standing next to this actress who was in another movie that played with mine that actually has like i think it's got like five hundred thousand hits online right now um it released like a week before my film did uh, online and uh, she was amazing. And so I'm standing next to her and I'm like, oh my God, like her movie was so much better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like, that way at Cinequest. It was funny. There is a, a, the story is funny just because looking back on it now, I became the person that I hated. The, there is a film that played with mine that they spent $40,000 on and they had Richard Warburton in it mm. and everyone loved it mainly because mm. there was a name actor in it. And of course, like the production value was spectacular. I mean, it blew every other film away because they spent so much money on it. And I remember, remember after the scene that being like, man, what a waste of money, $40,000 <laughs> for a short film. I'll never spend $40,000 on a short film. Like I could do like so many short films for $40,000. And then lo and behold... You you went way on way above and beyond that amount. <laughs> I went my friend. above and beyond, and I spent a hundred thousand on a short film. So like, who's <laughs> the idiot now? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just think it's like different levels of what you expect to get out of it, you know. And I'm really curious to see um, uh, Spirit Machine and and where that goes because I, I think it's going to go in, in amazing places. I that, don't know about that, but we'll yeah, see. Yeah, I know you're skeptical, but I mean, I, I am think... so skeptical that anything's going to happen with that. Because as much as I want to believe that I'm wrong, and I'm trying to like sometimes fight against my instincts, I know I'm right. Because when I see a film that I know is good, there's a feeling inside of me that says this is good. 
pay attention to this. This is good. And I don't have that feeling when I watch my movie. Like I feel the feelings like, oh, like I, at first it feels like it's good. And then it starts falling apart. And then, I, no, it's not good. It's not good. This sucks. This sucks. This sucks. <laughs> this sucks. I think there's good parts of it, but as a whole, it's not that great. So we'll see. I could be wrong, but I don't think that I am. I think it's not going to do much of anything. I think you just need to be positive and you need to support your movie and be proud of it and put on a smile whenever you talk about it and whenever you show it to anybody. And I think that will go a long way in, in how far it goes, you know? Yeah. And I definitely will. And I'm, and I'm sorry for the people listening to this podcast. I probably sound very negative and I think my personal side of me is very negative, but when I do go out there and and pitch it, I'm definitely going to be like super positive and and try to drum up the enthusiasm for it because I I know that it has less to do with how I feel about the movie and more to do how with the, how other people perceive it. I'm just very skeptical that anyone's going to see anything anything great in it, and they're just going to be like, "Oh, cool, dude, you made a movie. Congratulations! It shouldn't have t- taken you that long." Well, it felt I felt the same way about Strange Thing when I was uh, submitting it to fe- for festivals and releasing it. I thought like, hey, this might be good, but like, it's definitely not what I wanted it to be, you know. But I just, you know, I'd always just like stand behind it and just be excited about it. And I guess the first cast and crew screening went really well, so that was a really big help because I had such a good reaction from people in a room. You know, and then like I I had to remind myself that that's family, friends and family. So, I mean, of course, it's going to be a good reaction, (laughs) you know, Um, but it was just a really encouraging experience. And then when I got to Boston to show it, it was like, you know, it wasn't that (laughs) it was it was a a little bit of a different reaction. And then I re-edited it after that point. And then uh, I was way happier with it. what happened in Boston. Let's let's hear about that. Was that that was at a film festival? Yeah, in Boston, I, I played at the science fiction science fiction film festivals there, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the audience was um, there's a really tough audience, and I, I think they got a pretty good reaction. But then I'd already met some of the people um, beforehand, and then like the first thing someone said to me was like, you know, something about one of the effects I had had in there. I had this hand effect in at one point. Uh huh. I heard about. And they that. were like. Oh yeah, did did I tell you about that? Uh huh. I asked to see that cut, and you wouldn't show it to me. Oh right, yeah. Um, and then like, yeah, he's like, oh yeah, everything was so great except that hand. That hand was so like, <laughs> like, were you trying to go for like the forties like uh, creature featurey uh, sort of like looking fake sort of thing? Was that part of your mission? And I was like, oh god, oh god. Man, oh, I god. And I just my heart <laughs> sank, and I like put on a good. I was like, no, no, yeah, whatever, and whatever. And then I went home and I re-edited it. And my mom had been telling me the whole time how she thought that was the worst part. My mom had been like, oh, you got to take the hand out. The hand, the hand's terrible. And like my mom was like just really hard on me about the hand. And then to go to Boston and have them be say the same thing that my mom said was like killer. But then um, months later in August, I uh, was at another film festival and they couldn't get my Blu-ray to play. And so this happened to me, too. Yeah. Yes. So I had to go to my car and get my old DVD, which was the one with the hand version. And I played that one. (laughs) And then. It killed. It, <laughs> people literally screamed at the hand in in that screening, and I was like, "Oh God! Like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. Like, it's so it's, it's so just really hard, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like people react to different things in different ways. And, you know, some people are going to love the hand and some people are going to hate the hand. And yeah, you just kind of have to accept that at the end of the day that like you're going to have some people love it. You're going to have some people hate it. Like you can take the best movie in the world and there's going to be people that love it and hate it. There's not everyone's going to ever agree on anything. And it's like, what do I love the most? And I think in the end, I loved not the hand the most. But I think it's it's like what that cuts, comes down to the filmmaker. It's like you have to be the one that you're trying to please first rather than trying to please everyone else because you can never please everyone, you know? No, but I think that what you said about you showing it to an audience and somebody talking to you and then you heard that and then you made the change and now you like it better. I think that's also a really important part of showing it to an audience is to, to hear the reaction and then learning from it. On my first film uh, out of college when we showed it, I had no idea that there was like this huge plot hole and then everyone pointed it out. So the basic premise was a guy would go into like a dark space and then he would transport through like time and space. So he was like constantly like going through these like miniature portals through time and space and reliving these moments in his life, like out of order. And I had to transport him from uh, like his house and the way that I did it was I had his wife put him into the closet, <laughs> which, <laughs> which to me made sense when I was writing it. It's like, yeah, she wants to, she's going to surprise him for their anniversary. So she says, wait in the closet. And then, then she's going to like lay out this dinner and candles and then like, okay, you can come out now. And then he's like, oh, thanks, honey. But it was just such a weird thing for his wife to put him in the closet that people were just like, why did she put him in the closet? I don't understand. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> but to me, it made so much sense. And no one during the making of the movie said anything and we all believed it. But then when we showed it to audiences, we learned so the whole like putting people into a closet is something I never do again. Well, yeah, I think it's also like the the thing I'm doing right now with brother where I'm showing it to like maybe five to six different people and getting feedback um, I think that is important. I don't know if you did that with that movie or not. Yeah, I don't remember. No, that kind of helps. Yeah, I think it, it does help. It does get really confusing, though, when you start showing it to just a small group of people. Because if you show it to five people, you're going to get five different opinions. And then you're like, which opinion do I believe? I don't know. If, if any if there's any correlation on, on feedback, then that's always a really easy way to, to tell. Right. If like five people are saying the same thing or three people are saying the same thing. It's usually like, okay, that thing, you should look at that thing closely, you know, and figure out what to do about it. Um, one other thing I wanted to say was in, in more than just being responsible for getting your audience to your screening at a film festival and being your own publicist and marketer, mm-hmm. you also need to like be, be like in aware of how your movie's being presented because yeah, like, like true. we both talked about like, you know, my Blu-ray didn't work at one place and your Blu-ray didn't work at another place. Like you just have to make sure that. I mean, because the, the film festival is going to do a really good job or the best job they can to make sure that they're showing the movies in the best way. But especially film festivals that are small and that are trying to show a lot of movies, it's going to be really challenging for them. So you have to be really aware of like, you know, making sure that your movie is actually working on their system, that it looks the way that you want it to look and that you have backup options with you just in case something happens. Because like that's going to... You know, I mean, it's not always going to go wrong, but it always could go wrong. So every film festival I go to, if I'm, if I'm wearing a, a blazer or a suit jacket, I always keep a Blu-ray, a DVD and a flash drive in my pocket 
Just in case. Just in case. That's smart. I think that's probably the worst experience I have was my film not playing correctly. And I think that they had to restart it three times and it was just killer. It's like a killer feeling to see a minute of a movie and then it restarts from the very beginning again. And the audience has to sit through that minute again. I think they did it like three times and they're just like, I thought it was going to just ruin it completely. But then it, it took a while because it ruined that first minute. But then, you know, about halfway through the film, I think people forgot about it and it, they got back into it. But at that moment, it was just like, no, why is this happening to me? Yeah, or or like it's happened to me before is my movie comes up and there's no sound. Yeah, actually, I think that's what happened is it had no sound for like a minute and then they restarted it. I don't know, remember, but it was bad. So my worst experience was um, driving to L.A. to a screening of Strange Thing um, at a film, film festival sort of in the outskirts of L.A. And I drove all day. I had a shoot in the morning. I left at noon and I got there at like maybe 730 and my screening was at eight. And I got there in time. I was there half hour early. I go up. It's at another megaplex. Um, there's less, um, you know, advertising for the film, like in the lobby, but you could sort of see, oh, there's the poster. And then you go upstairs. And then they had a huge setup upstairs, like with all the posters, postcards, and like they signed you in, they gave you a badge, they took your picture. So I was like, okay, this is a really well run festival. Like, this is really exciting. They gave me a big booklet you know, with like every movie in it. And I was like, okay, great. So then I go to, uh, to my screening and there's four other people there. And my, (laughs) and my star who lives in LA came with me. So it's me, my star, and then (laughs) three or four other people. And I was like, oh my God, I just drove all the way to LA for this. Like, oh my goodness. It was, it was, uh, yeah. It's the worst because you spent all this money to make it into a film festival and then when you show up and there's nobody in the audience, you kind of feel like you're cheated. You're like, well, why? What's the what's the point? Why are they even playing my movie when it's like just me in a theater with other people that I know? Like we've all seen it before. This is right. dumb. Like you want it to be shown to people that haven't seen it, right? And one of the things that was really even more of a heartbreaker about that is like when we were walking up to the theater, there was probably like maybe twenty or thirty other people there. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, there's actually going to be some people. And then they had four screens running movies at the same time for the film Uh, festival. So everybody broke off. And then, like, 20 of the 30 went into one theater, five went into the other, and then five went into mine. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, all film festivals are not created equal. And you don't have to be at, like, a huge film festival to get a big audience. I think you just have to be at the right film festival. And and some film festivals have a bigger following than others. I mean, I I don't know if Cinequest is like really a huge festival. I don't feel like it is because I've been going there for a long time. But I feel like they do a good job of like making sure that there's like a lot of people like in those screenings. And the both of the screenings that my short film played at were sold out. And it was like a it was like one of those kind of midnight screenings. Like I think it's like a eleven o'clock start time or something. That's so cool. I think you just have to find the film festival that that can get the most people to watch your film. And there's so many out there. So how do you choose which film festivals you're going to submit to? I I think after doing it in a big way for strange thing, I learned a lot because like, you know, it's really hard to tell like which film festivals are going to have a lot of people show up to them because like on their websites, they might all look pretty good, you know, cause they're going to show the best pictures from all their different events to like make it look bigger than it is sometimes. Um, or make it look the best that it can be. 
And um, I think one of the ways you can really tell if an audience is going to be there or not, and it, it doesn't always work, but like uh, amount of likes they have on Facebook and then um, if they have a Twitter account, how many followers they have on Twitter. I think that really kind of sometimes will help set it apart because if they have anywhere under 2000, you know, it's going to be really, really small. But if they have anything like 3000, 4000, 5000, 6000, then you know, there's a better chance that it's going to be a big event. But, That's um, interesting. I like but, that. Yeah. But one of the problems is like if it's a it's a ten day film festival or a two week long film festival, um, it's like the day your film gets played becomes really important, you know, because if it's on a weekend, like there's a way larger chance that they're gonna, you know, be a big audience there. Or if it's the opening weekend or the closing weekend, that's also gonna make a big difference whether or not you're gonna have a big audience. Um, and it's like every screening is different. Like I went to film festivals, like that same one where there was only four people in my audience. I went the next day and like, you know, there were times where all four theaters were completely packed, you know, and it just depended on the screening, you know, and, and it could be like, you know, the one at eight o'clock packed, the one at nine o'clock empty for that theater, you know, and it was just really interesting to see the way it went, you know, and um, a little bit of a crapshoot then, right? It is. I think it always is. And I think you can kind of tell like by what block you get and like what kind of theater you're playing on. Like you can make playing in, you can sort of see, you know, how many people you can expect to be there. But I think the best way to, to, to go about it is just to do your own marketing and your own publicity and, uh, you know, reaching out to local newspapers and letting them know that there's a film festival in their town if they're not already aware. Because sometimes the film festival will do that, but sometimes the film festival doesn't have time to hit every local newspaper. So if you can reach out to them and say, hey, I got a short film. I'm coming in from, you know, Oakland, California to whatever town it is. Uh, here's what my movie's about. You should totally cover it and whatever. Like maybe they'll write a story about it. Maybe they won't. But at least you're doing your best to make sure that the most people possible will know about it when it when it, when the the screening happens. Yeah, you that's know? cool. I had some bad experiences reaching out to journalists for Cinequest. I think I went about it the wrong way. I like the oh, way really? that you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> it was just kind of like I think I kind of wrote almost wrote the article for them. Kind of oh like, really? And then just like hey. Uh, I don't remember how I did it. It was just stupid of me. It just kind of sent them out like, hey, consider running the story. And then it was like almost like a written article about man's best friend playing at Cinequest. Huh. Man's best friend is a story about blah, blah, blah. And Timothy Plain is a local filmmaker from, you know, whatever it was. One, one journalist wrote back to me and was like, uh, you should never write a story for a journalist. I think the way you're going about this is totally wrong. You should change your tactic. Wow. And I, I think so be careful if you are going to reach out to journalists. I think the way that you just said it is like the best way is be like, Hey, I don't know if you already know about this, but there's a film festival in your area. I'm coming in from Oakland. My short film is playing in this and this program. You should totally cover it. I think is like an awesome way to like set it up. Yeah. that Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. Cause like I've heard from other people and other listening to other, um, people talk about reaching out to journalists that you want to make it as easy on the journalists as possible. To That's cover exactly your story. why I did it. I thought, yeah. well, I, I don't, I, they're not going to put a bunch of time and effort into it. So I thought I'll just write a little blurb for it so they can, they just like copy and paste and they could promote it. But that's, yeah, <laughs> I think there's, work out. There's, there's obviously a fine line, I guess. Cause I, 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 you know, I didn't hear that. I never heard that story before. And that's fascinating. Cause when I did my reach out for strange thing for the online online release, I didn't do quite what you did, but I did something kind of similar where I just sort of, 
I included all the information about the short. Like I, you know, just kind of told my own version. Like a little blurb, like a synopsis. It was like my own little story about the short film. So it was like, gotcha. here's, here's how I made it. Here's what it's about. Here's what I, um, what's happened with it so far. Um, I'd love you. And here's the link. I'm releasing it on Monday. Would you love, if you'd like the movie, please, you know, feel free to write about it or, or whatever I said. And huh. I think that, that actually went a long way because then I would read other articles that were written about it and they would like use exactly the information that I had provided in my email. So I knew they had gotten my exact email and that they just didn't find the link on their own. Yeah, that was my idea too. And for some reason it just didn't work out. Maybe it's the types of people that I was reaching out to. Like, were you reaching out to more like blogs? Yeah, blogs and, uh, you know, I think sort I was of... reaching out to like real newspapers, like San Francisco Chronicle. and Yeah, but it could have even just been the wording too. Like, could have you been. Know, I just rubbed, I didn't... rubbed people the wrong way, I think. Because I didn't say anything about run this story. I was like, I just have this movie <laughs> and whatever, whatever. And I don't know, maybe it's just the small differences that made the difference, you know? Yeah, like your text message last night. Oh, yeah, my text message. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, I should tell the story. So Timothy said, oh, we should take a listener uh, questions for episode 10. And I wrote, we could, just we could. And then um, right after that, I was like, oh, I meant to say we should. And then I put explanation point at it. And then he was like, wow, that's completely different. And I wasn't sure if he was being sarcastic or not, but then I realized that he was actually being serious. And I was like, yeah, I guess it does make a big difference uh, the with the wording you, you choose. Words. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. So craft yeah. your emails carefully when you're doing PR pushes. Exclamation points help, uh, emoticons. Yeah, although I wouldn't want to like write an email to journalists with a bunch of smiley faces and rocket ships and dolphins or whatever. <laughs> I have, uh, there's a producer I work with that that uses like the word smile in parentheses in his emails all the time. And it's just a funny technique because it's kind of like the old version of emoticons. <laughs> smile. Smile. Frown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it doesn't have the same impact, I don't think, as like a, an emoticon. Yeah. So, so going back to film festivals, I guess I would just say like, you know, they're really special and wonderful. And I just think that a lot of times, like myself included, you get really excited about what it means to play at a film festival. And like you suddenly think it's going to be this world where your film will play. It'll be a packed house. Um, and then after the screening, an agent will come up to you and say that they want to sign you. And then, you know, all your dreams will come true. And that's not what a film festival is, but it can be some of those things. Like it can be the audience and it, and it can be a place where people connect with you about your movie. But I mean, I think there's a lot of work that goes into a film festival, um, you know, that you have to do on your own if you want to have. Uh, the best experience, you know, and I think people just need to be ready to, to come at it with that kind of energy, you know? Yeah. And we're obviously only talking about short films. I think once you get to the feature film level, film festivals play a completely different role and you're then now kind of out there with your film trying to get distribution or people interested in it. So part of the reason I didn't submit my film to like a bunch of film festivals ever is because I, I just feel like they're really expensive and 
you have to enter a lot in order to make it into just a few. I think my acceptance rate is one out of every five festivals I entered in, made it in. If I if I got accepted, there's years that I enter films that I didn't make it in at all. Uh, what was your acceptance rate? So yeah, I, I sent in to about seventy, and I got into twenty. So what's that? That's like uh, like a, that's pretty good, of, right? That's yeah, like, well, it's like one out of three. That's really good. Yeah, but had you only entered uh, three film festivals, do you think you would have made it into one? Um, no, <laughs> it's weird how that actually, works, right? <laughs> actually, I I would have technically because uh, Boston was one of the first I submitted to, and I got into that one right away. Um, so I might have, but only I probably would have only gotten into one. We've we've had this conversation outside of the podcast, but you have to uh, temper your expectations with the film festivals you enter. If if you're if you hear that statistic like, oh, I'm going to make it into one out of five film festivals, I'm going to submit to uh, Sundance, Toronto, Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you enter only the big film festivals, you're probably not going to make it into any of them. So I think one of the things that you did a really good job at was enter film festivals that you re- realistically had a chance to make it in. I'm the stupid one out of the two of us that always is like reaching beyond my grasp. And it's like, if I can't make it into Sundance, I don't want to make it into anything. Yeah, I think it's really hard to do that, though, because, like, you want to pick the film festival that's the best for your movie, you know, and, like, um, even even the ones that aren't even the big ones, like the Austin Film Festival is a really big one, but that one's almost like a Sundance to me at this point, because it's, like, so big and really hard to get into, and same with South by Southwest and, you know, Tribeca, like, all these ones, like, are just really really difficult but i mean if you've heard of a film festival it probably means that it's really big I, I would say that's pretty accurate but i mean i think you know you just got to pick the right ones for your movie and like you know being a, a pretty much a exclusively a genre filmmaker right now like in the horror sci-fi genre uh, there's a lot of genre film festivals for me to pick from and i think focusing on those is, is really important and then also just trying to find the ones that um would play a movie like mine you know and uh yeah so i'm just trying to focus it in that way and i'm really actually more focusing about when the the film festival happens because i want the movie to get online as soon as possible i don't want to wait a year like i did with strange thing um so i'm trying to pick ones that have like um you know screening dates that are coming up really soon so i can like you know get it online this year and then after it premieres and it goes online, I'll probably still submit it to some film festivals just just to see what where it'll play at. But I'll definitely probably focus on that less than I did with Strange Things, just because to me it's more about you know getting it out into the world and online than it is about playing at film festivals. Yeah, and I would say to anyone who's debating whether or not to do film festivals or an online release, if you're goal is not really to see your movie in a theater with other people or meet other filmmakers or just kind of network then just release it online there's plenty of arguments for releasing your movie online and just doing that i mean there's uh, i know ulrich's been a part of a podcast where they talked exactly about that and also um i've seen a statistic recently where a kind of like a case study of a filmmaker that compared their online release to the film festival release and it's like broke it down by how many people saw it and um how how much interest from the industry did they get and it's like film festivals they got zero interest from the industry but online they ended up getting interest from the industry and the numbers of people that saw it were like so much more so 
you don't have to go to a film festival. I think it's if you're if you feel like you're like especially nowadays, like so many people watch movies online. I think the landscape has really changed. Like even five when was that? When did I go to Worldwide Short Film Festival? 2011. So like f- four years ago, they were telling me that. Uh, not to release a movie online until four years after it was made, but that's totally oh changed. God, that's totally crazy. changed. I mean, it's it's crazy. I, I have the notes in front of me from kind of like um, short film distribution and 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 festival lecture that I attended, and the notes in here are so outdated, and it's only been four years. So that's things crazy. are changing, and and I think there's plenty of reasons just to release online, but. I'm old school in how I enjoy movies and I really like going to a movie theater. So it's always important for me to see it with an audience. Yeah. I think there's a lot of value in it too. And I think if you're um, just starting out or, or, you know, you've got your movie and, and you're ready to, you're trying to figure out the best way to release it into the world. I think a film festival is a good component of it, you know, because you'll learn a lot from seeing it with an audience and then you'll meet a lot of really cool people. I mean, whether or not they're agents or distributors, you're going to meet really, really cool filmmakers and people that you might collaborate with, people that you might be friends with forever, people that you might just talk to every every couple years at different film festivals. But I think creating those relationships is really fun and interesting and I think it helps you grow as a filmmaker too. And then just watching other people's movies because I, you learn so oh, yeah. much That's from seeing what other people do. It. Seeing movies that are curated by um, like a, a programmer and 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 seeing them up against yours is such uh, a learning experience and and teaches you a lot about like what else is being made out there. You're only going to get so much of that by trying to find films online, but you're it, it's a different thing to like watch something that somebody else has curated and put on a screen in front of you. Yeah, like what I learned from doing that was just that like there's so many amazing short films being made right now. Like going to like 10 different film festivals and seeing all these different short films at different short film blocks, like I was my mind was blown about how high the the standard is now, you know? So it really made me like open my eyes to like where you need to be as a filmmaker if you want to stand out, you know? Like you just yeah. have to be telling really interesting stories. You know, you just do. And I would say even if you're not submitting a film to a film festival, it's good just to go to film festivals. I did. I went to a lot of film festivals. Uh, I used to, I used to go to a ton more, and it's just it's gives you a different perspective. If you're just filling your head with Hollywood movies or independent movies that are being distributed mainstream wise, um, it's a different perspective than seeing like what a bunch of filmmakers just like you are making out there. And I think it's good to see that stuff. Watching someone else's movie where they just didn't care what anybody said and they just did what they wanted to do in their heart and they just made the movie that they wanted to make. I think that is pretty powerful, you know. What else is there to say about film festivals? I don't know, man. They're a lot of fun, you know. And, it, and, it, and it's it's interesting because my wife, uh, she'll, she'll make fun of me because I'll go to these film festivals and buy plane tickets and whatever and rent a hotel room <laughs> and all this stuff. And she's like, oh, you're off on vacation having fun. And it's like, no, no, I'm working. This is like real work. But it, it's it's true. It It is a lot of fun. Like it's the most fun work that you'll do as a filmmaker going to film festivals for your movie. Yeah. I mean, it's a blast. <laughs> it is totally a blast. I, I had such a good time going to film festivals. I wish that I had done more. I don't regret uh, not spending more money and making it into more festivals. I, I think I, I got the the right amount of experience that I need. And um, now that I know what they're for, I like, and that, that I've experienced it, I'm kind of less interested on 
doing it at the shorts level and more interested in doing it with a feature on the next round but i'm really looking forward to doing it again i think it's it's definitely an awesome experience and everyone should try it i don't know i mean i'm I'm really excited to see what it's going to be like to bring my feature that hasn't been made yet into a a film (laughs) festival like i think that'll be a completely new experience and yeah, I'm excited to see what that's like, but you know, yeah, that's a long way off. <laughs> I know. Mean, uh, how many years off do you think that is? Uh, realistically, I think it's at least two years off, you know, because even if I make my movie next year, if I shoot it in 2016 or God forbid at the end of this year, which is completely unrealistic. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still going to be like at least probably a year of post-production before it's ready. So I think any Ulrich Purcell feature will, will either come out like late 2016 or early or like sometime in 2017. What about you? What's your esti- estimation for the Timothy Plain feature? 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You're I'm hilarious. <laughs> I, know. I love that. You're always the positive one and I'm always the negative one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think things can happen really fast. Like the movie that I just worked on, I don't know when he wrote it, but they only went into pre-production in, I think it was May they, they or maybe even oh, wow. late May. Like yeah. they, they, they spent like maybe a month of pre-production or like a month and a half. And, uh, and then, yeah, they're already editing it right now. And I think they're trying to be done for a Sundance deadline in September. So, you know, that was like eight months or not, not even. I, I don't know if this is, if this is going to be the reality for me, but if you, the less you care about something, kind of like going back to your metaphor of like trying to find a relationship, the the more you've given up on something, the better chance you have of finding it. Sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe me saying 10 years means I'm going to beat you to the feature thing. You're, you're saying two years and that'd be funny if like all of a sudden next week I said, Hey, Ulrich, I'm a, uh, I'm shooting the feature in September. I already kind of feel like you're going to be first no matter what, you know, but I mean, that's just because I kind of feel like you have more connections into that world and you've got more uh, things cooking. Um, but you never know. I mean, it could, it could honestly like we could meet the right person and then we could be fast tracked at any time. You, you, yeah. you have no idea. It's, well, it's that's crazy. why I tell myself 10 years. So that way then I'll be excited about what happens. Because if it takes me 10 years, oh my gosh, shoot me. But <laughs> at the same time, I'm preparing myself, knowing how long it's taken me to get to this point. I'm so tired of like setting unrealistic goals for myself because every time I don't meet them, then I just feel super depressed and feel like a failure. So if I set goals that are more realistic, then I'll be like, hey, I thought it was going to take me 10 years and it only took me five. This is amazing. Whereas if I was like, I'm going to do it in two years, then if it takes me five, I'll be like, oh man, it took me five and I thought it was going to take me two. I suck. Yeah. Well, you know, I I don't know. I just think you just need to keep on working at it, you know, and keep on growing as an artist and things will just happen, you know? Goddamn you and your optimism. I know. I'm terrible. No, I love it. Actually, I love it. You inspire me. I love hearing your optimism because it makes me want to be more optimistic. I think I used to be a lot more optimistic. And then I just kind of kept getting kicked in the balls. I just think that like, you know, if a December rolls around and you haven't, um, you're either not in development on a feature or, you know, like you're kind of like where you are now, I think we should go ahead and make another short film together. Okay. Um, Deal. You know, 
uh, just because then that'll be good. And then the same thing for me, like if uh, May rolls around or April rolls around and I have, don't have anything going on, then I'll just make another short. Yeah, um, I think we just got to kind of force ourselves, each other to do stuff. Like this podcast was good. You're just like, hey, let's make a podcast. I said, okay, cool. When should we start? And you said, how about next week? It's like, what? Yeah. And it yeah. was good. You pushed you pushed it on a fast track. And I think you need somebody in your life to help kind of push you to do stuff. Because, yeah, if you sometimes if you wait to do things on your own volition, it just never happens. So I'm glad I have a friend like you. We're going to end on a positive note. I'm glad I have a friend like you. And let's push each other to, to keep making things happen. Yeah, man. I'm glad I have a friend like you because you keep me you keep me uh, grounded in reality. You know? <laughs> and then and then when I push, you also push back. So like if I push. It's like, and then I give up, then you push me right back. Cause I remember like when I said the podcast thing, uh, you were like, yeah. And I was like, oh fuck. He said, yes. Oh Jesus. And then, <laughs> right. and then all of a sudden like we're doing it and it was like, oh man, like I wasn't even sure if I was ready. It was just an idea. <laughs> there are some moments when we first started it where I just kept on doing stuff so quickly and you're just like, dude, I can't keep up. Yeah, man. It's pretty crazy, but I'm, I'm really glad it's worked out that way. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Next week, I'm excited. We're going to do episode 10 where we're going to answer listener comments and questions. So start tweeting us or find us on Facebook and leave us a message there. Or you can email us through our websites, Spin Dry Productions or Bursell Productions. And um, yeah, you can find us on Twitter at MMIH Podcast. And then my handle is at Timothy Plain. And I am at Allwork B. And yeah, guys, thanks for listening. It's been a blast. Talk to you next time. All right, later. All right, bye. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts. Yes.